I got it. When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze. One, two, three, four. I built a labyrinth. Can you believe it? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 77, we have some unexpected survivors and the animated closing title sequence begins. To tackle Minute 77, we have me, Robert Black of Michael Myers Minute, along with Sean German of Groundhog Minute. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the... There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. This doesn't make any sense. The problem? Promise to my second. It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. I get a few words from you before you go. Well, let me go my local. I'll do a local backup here with the audacity. I suppose I should do that too. We should say, well, how you doing, Robert? We should say hello before we jump into the other stuff. How are you? Good. Well, you're getting uh, real close to the end of this. Yeah. This this sucker. All right. This has been a very interesting podcast to listen to. <laughs> and, I, and I will say very well produced. One of the better um, put together podcasts, I'd say, um, of the these movie by minutes thing. And not to slight any of the others, but... Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a joy to listen, and certainly a joy to participate as well. Makes it even good, better. Good. Yeah, when when it first started, I was mostly listening along with everyone else. I would make sure the recordings I got worked, mm-hmm. listen long enough to get an interesting line to use as a title, and then just insert them into the Audacity project file. And so I would listen when they went up, which was kind of fun because like I didn't even know the content of my own show for a little while. <laughs> until, it went, until it was out there so i'm like i don't know what people are saying but people are gonna hear it yeah i stopped doing that once uh what was it in about episode 40 because then i started deliberately getting more involved then it got fun then it took up much more of my time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i imagine well, I wonder if oh, – think about it. Because I think at some point the – well, like the beginning and end, the opening and closing were always well done from from the beginning, Thanks. from minute one. Um, but then at some point you started inserting – I assume it was you and not the individual host. That was that was then, yeah. Um, That's what I'm talking about around minute 40. Yeah, st- st- stuff started popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, little – quotes from you know and scenes and stuff from other movies you'd stick in yeah. and um yeah yeah because right. you're actually paying attention uh-huh <laughs> well and there's more to it than that but i don't want to say yet yeah oh no yeah don't don't spoil <laughs> the surprise i'm sure there's much more to come well there's not it's much not more of that to come but there's a reason i started doing that and did it more as it went and no one said anything about it yet, so I'm saving it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So you want to tell the listeners what happens in minute 77? 
Sure. Well, in uh, minute 77 of Dave Made a Maze, we see a uh, minotaur rising, not not quite from the ashes, Phoenix-like, but <laughs> rising from the discarded refuse of a cardboard maze as a an origami bird flies off. Yep. Uh, the minotaur starts to walk away from us, flashes us the, the, the three finger, the the pinky pointer thumb, I love you sign, and roll credits. Yep. And that's, uh, that's minute 77 in a nutshell. That pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's more to the credits, because just like the opening credits, there are animated stuff under the beginning of this. But yeah, that's all that we get. Yeah, yeah. Just just like the opening credits, it's it's animated. There's some stuff going on, and there's uh, some music. Yeah. With some lyrics that may or may not pertain to what we've just seen. Yeah. And also, if if you like the design of the Minotaur, I think this is the best we get to see it when he's outside. Oh, yes. And we, we should say for if if any of the listeners to the podcast are just listening to the podcast <laughs> and haven't in on seen the movie yet <laughs> at Minute 77, um, it's it's daylight. Yep. So, yeah, we, as you, we get a good look. Um, maybe our... our only good look at this minotaur outside walking down the street. Um, and this is a guy who's, and I, it, he's been talked about the, yeah, the actor who's playing the minotaur yeah. John is in much better shape than I have ever been. <laughs> well, he's a wrestler. Yeah. And of course his head is made of cardboard. He has a blue towel yeah. as a cape. Yeah. And, but, uh, a ring in his nose. Yeah. Metal ring, like a but a um, a large metal ring. Yeah, like, like a it's not cardboard. Nope, it looks definite metallic. And the again, the, yeah, the, the the towel for a cape, and that is also not cardboard. Right. Um, but yeah, the the head and the horns and the bird and uh, <laughs> um, and and this and I instantly thought of the the line from Better Off Dead. That's a man. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good minotaur <laughs> like that. <laughs> nice, yeah. Man, now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. It's okay. He he gets out. What they threw away is the cardboard Bryn. I think now all that remains of her is the top half of her head. Yeah, which the director still has. <laughs> that's an interesting thing to say i hear i've heard of directors and actors kind of saving mementos he has the top kind of, of serial head. killer like <laughs> uh, saving things from a set like oh, i'm gonna save the head of Bryn. Well, he has this he has the entire minotaur head i got to wear it really yeah it's surprisingly yeah. heavy and really hard to see out of i imagine like there's little gaps all over but you not in front of you so it's hard <laughs> but to not see where your eyes right are. it's hard to see what's in front of you mm-hmm I'd be wearing that thing every Halloween. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a little damage on the left side of the face, but otherwise it is intact pretty well, and it's sturdy. There's a lot of layers to it, especially the horns to make them stick out like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have too much specifically on this minute, but I'm glad you asked me to come back. Yeah. Uh, my name's Sean, by the way. I suppose I should probably introduce myself. I will have introduced you in the intro. It's uh, fine. Okay. Not that it really matters. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I did want to come back and and say a few things and really kind of rebut something I said <laughs> just a few minutes ago. Yeah. That I realized was, uh, well, I'll, you know, the listener can decide what, what, whether I was right then or right now or, or wrong altogether. But I'd said that the lesson of the movie or the moral of the movie is sort of don't try. You know, we start with this slacker Dave who who has a lot of different hobbies and different things he's kind of trying during the opening credits and seems like never really finishes anything. And then here's a maze. Like he, he did it. He built a maze because he wanted to build a maze and then he finished it. And yeah. And Bryn's dead among others, you know, yeah. people died. This was a disaster. Like he should not have tried because trying it was his disappointment. Which is what I said a few minutes ago, but that's, I I, I think I, I think that's wrong. I think the 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 true lesson is, you just need to be a little bit more careful on on what you try, and that that occurred to me um, rewatching the beginning of the movie and particularly listening to the music that plays over the opening credits. Diversion by the Equals. Diversion from the Equals. Uh, from their 1971 album, Rock Around the Clock, um, and released as a single in 1973, which I had not heard the song or heard of the group before my exposure to this movie, but they're terribly interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm, I yeah. think it's a shame. I don't know how I... Um, I was pretty big into, well, very much into 60s music uh, when I was a younger man in the, the 80s and 90s, but still kind of into it. But I was surprised that I hadn't come across them. They're really quite notable for uh, three things that I found. Okay. In particular, one is they're really one of... Uh, one source said they, they may have been the first, but I'll just say one of the few um, racially integrated pop groups yeah. of of the mid-60s. So you had... Uh, yeah, because they got together uh, in like light 65, Light-skinned and, and dark-skinned folks, yeah. And uh, you know, formed in 65 in London, but uh, you had kind of native Englishmen and you had some folks from Jamaica and folks from, or at least one guy from uh, from elsewhere that I'll mention later. Um the the second thing I thought it was interesting, they're really kind of on the forefront of of glam rock, and and glam really didn't break through till uh, T Rex's appearance on top of the Pops in 1971, <laughs> and would later um, kind of in, a movement that kind of involved outrageous stage productions and costumes and some androgyny of of folks like um, like David Bowie, but they were kind of on the forefront. Uh, you know, in the mid '60s, where they um, wear brightly colored costumes, and their lead singer um, would wear a, a woman's wig, like a long blonde-haired wig, on stage, and things like that. And then I also found them notable the the mix of of styles and influence, and a, a lot of British rock and pop at the time was influenced by American blues and R and B. But they also mixed in. A Jamaican ska, mm -hmm. which uh, which I enjoyed. I'm kind of a a fan of ska and and reggae and that sort of thing. So listening, diving deeper into their catalog and listening to some of their songs and hearing that ska influence, I enjoyed. And they were actually uh, their songs have been covered by the the Clash, Detroit Cobras, and Patu Banton, um, among others, which I was surprised to hear that I hadn't heard of. 
But yeah, so there that's that's the equals from London. And I want to just read some of the lyrics from well, before, that song. Before we get to the lyrics, oh. a more general thing about what you were just saying. Where'd it go? I was scrolling up to find this guy's name and I lost it. Um, Eddie Grant? No, that it was quoting someone named Stratton. And I'm like, wait, who? Oh, uh, oh yeah. In this article. Because it was, there it is. Uh, it said, uh, mainstream white teenagers who bought beat group songs were used to lyrics about girls and love and its complexities. In 1967, they were not used to songs about killing and being chased by the police. The equals were effectively code switching between two audiences, immigrant rude boys and white pop fans in the same song, if not the same line. Yeah. Well, in one of their songs, I, uh, I probably should have made a note of it. Um, I think the title is Blue Eyed Black Boy. Hmm. Or something like that. It's, you know, the, the, I was the about a, a mixed race child. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's blue eyed black boy is the name of the song, but uh, yeah. So they were, yes, some songs. And as you said, yeah, in that, in that quote, sometimes within the song, it's very um, kind of party rock or party pop. Right. And then some of it's very socially conscious as well. Black skin, blue eyed boys, 1970. Oh, there you go. Black skin, blue eyed boy. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. I think that's that's something I'll be um I'll I'll put them into my regular rotation. I'll be listening to more of their work. Well oh and then uh uh so the one of the founding members, Eddie Grant, mm-hmm. um in I was kind of just hitting like the Wikipedia article yeah. on them, and that name jumped out at me because of course uh, some well people of my age will remember that name from the hit Electric Avenue. Yep. From I think like eighty two or eighty three. Yeah, but uh, so so getting back to uh, the diversion, the the lyrics, I had a slight diversion, but I'm back. I had a slight diversion, but I'm back. I used to say I loved you. I took a diversion to bring my love back to you now. Yeah. And, and that, like paying more attention to that really changed my thinking that that, that was Dave's mistake, not... You know, not finishing. That's not the mistake. The, the finishing and the, the commitment to stick with something to the end. Mm-hmm. That's not the mistake. The mistake is what he's decided to to finish. And and actually something I just doing a quick, um, some quick rewatching just a few moments ago, something I hadn't noticed previously during the opening credits. Yeah. Um, when Annie calls, he doesn't answer. Nope. So... It's those diversions. It's the detours from the things that are important, that that's the mistake. So it's it's good to have, um, as Paula Poundstone would say, stick-to-itiveness. You just need to be a little bit more thoughtful <laughs> than Dave has been in terms of what are you going to stick to. So I think I think that's the lesson of the movie. That's kind of the moral of the story. It's interesting in regard to what the rest of the song, we only hear the chorus mm-hmm. under the opening credits. The rest of the song, the narrator has gone to jail for the person he loves and now is coming back. So his diversion is going to jail. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that's interesting since we don't hear that part of the song because this movie starts with Dave having been lost inside a box no one else can get in. Or is, they can, but it's dangerous. In order to get to him, he's somewhere else. Right. He's he's in a prison of his own making. 
Yeah. But then I wonder, coming back to minute 77, as the closing credits start to roll, yeah. we get a different song and we get some different lyrics. Yep. Sipping my beer, playing pinball, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which repeats several times. And, and so now I wonder, I, has, has Dave learned anything? Is he back to his slacker ways, you know, sipping a beer, playing bin, pinball? Well, it depends. Because if you pay attention to the animation. Mm-hmm. The song, by the way, listeners, is Pinball by Tandemora. We'll get to more of the lyrics in a moment. The animation, the characters who, spoilers, are dead, are in this scene. Mm -hmm. The Minotaur shows up to a nightclub where all of the characters from the movie are there, including Jane, including Greg, including Bryn, including Leonard. And our Flemish tourists make it up. And Flemish tourists, yeah. Who all are presumed dead. Well, Jane's dead. The rest are presumed, Greg's dead, but the rest are presumed dead. They're all here. You could read this end credits as somehow, magically, they're all still alive, just like the Minotaur is. And so, you know, they're taking a break, sipping their beer, playing pinball. Or maybe Dave didn't learn anything. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. We do get more than the chorus of this song, though. We get a few lyrics from it. I didn't come here for political. I came here for rock and roll. You can have your little cynical. Don't need those troubles. So maybe the the mistake that Dave is making in the beginning is, um, is he's diverted himself. As I as I said earlier, when when the the call from Anne comes in or Annie comes in yeah. during the opening credits, he doesn't answer, right. and we see him. He's he's painting. He's woodworking. He's watching his. His ant farm. He's making birds. But he's doing all these he, he's doing all these things alone yeah. in his apartment and eventually builds this cardboard maze alone. Whereas the rescue or the escape at the end, uh, it's it's a group effort. It's with his friends. Yeah. And we saw in minute I think it's forty one, forty two, that in college or whenever Harry, Gordon, Annie, and Dave, and maybe a couple of the others, maybe Leonard, made a movie together. So these they've done creative efforts together before. Mm-hmm. But he's doing these ones by himself. Maybe that's the problem. Not that he doesn't, like that he's putting his effort into creative things, because the movie is clearly not against that. Mm-hmm. But that he's choosing that over everything else. He's choosing that over Annie. He didn't answer her call. Right. He's choosing that over his friends. He made stuff in the maze for Gordon. Was he going to invite Gordon in there? I don't know. Right. By the time he made a giant vagina that eats things, I think he understood <laughs> this place was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, during this, this closing credit sequence, he said it's everyone's, well, not everyone, but um, a lot of the characters we've seen are all together in this club. Well, and, you know, it's Dave and Annie. Through and, the three minutes of this yeah. animation, all of them are there. In this minute, we yeah. don't get all of them yet. Right. Eventually they will. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> They'll all be there. So maybe, yeah, so so maybe that's the takeaway. It's not work versus play or, or so on. It's it's solitary versus letting the people in your life in. Which goes... Letting them into your maze. Which goes to the lyrics that are not... They're in... Where are we? Minute 79 lyrics for this song. You are not alone in the city. We are all alone in the city. And that repeats a few times. Yeah, I want to I quote something I read 
on the internet recently. Um, and someone who had seen this movie said, um, this is a quote, the ultimate point, of course, is that it doesn't matter whether he built it, whether it built itself, whether other people built it by chance or by circumstance, by choice or not, the end is still the same. Life ends in death. The labyrinth is still a lonely place without friends. It's simple. It's <laughs> profound. It's absurd. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and Robert would, of course, recognize that quote since he's the one who wrote it yep. on, on his wonderful uh, Groundhog Day project blog, um, where he occasionally wrote about movies other than uh, Groundhog Day. But but writing about this this movie, yeah, the and that was just barely a year ago. Um, yeah, barely a year ago. But the the labyrinth is still a lonely place without friends. And I didn't, um, I don't think I understood. And this was just a few days ago when I read that and made a note of it. But I think I understand it more now than I did then. I understand it too well sometimes, but I don't want to bring down minute seventy seven. I've talked about stuff like that in earlier minutes. Like I've dealt with depression in in my life, so I've felt that way a lot. But this kind of thing makes me feel better. <laughs> even listening to other people do these things makes me feel better. Yeah, oh. It's like podcasting, even when you're not the guest or you're not even you don't even know the people involved. It's like this weird conversation that I'm in my car driving to work and I'm interacting with the people talking. Even before I was a guest on your show, Groundhog Minute, I started like responding to what you were saying, and then I'd post stuff on Facebook. Because it's... <laughs> I love these things. I love movies. I love people talking about it. Yeah, and I, I've... You, you've taught... You've, you've certainly written much about it. You've talked about it. You talked about it a little bit yeah. on, on my show, uh, The Groundhog Minute, with with Dave Palace about movies. Um and I'm still, I'm still in the process of wrapping my my head around it. Um, it was interesting. Uh, just as we record this, a few days ago, the uh, the television program "You're the Worst" yeah. had its season premiere. Yeah. And um, if you haven't seen it yet, I <laughs> guess fast forward. I'm trying. There's there's no way I can do this without um, spoiling without spoiling it, but. Um, but it's the the show's about uh, two basically two main characters and their friends. But it's a man and a woman who have been kind of circling each other, and then recently, the last season, they've finally come together as a couple. And they're they're I guess they're meeting with a wedding planner yeah. or someone. But they're they're telling their story of how they met, and in a flashback, we see. Um, he's, he's a, a clerk at a video store and she's someone coming in who's, um, who's taking selections off of his, um, you know, his personal picks <laughs> on, on the shelf. And he starts to talk about, you know, the talk about the importance of movies and uh, the meaningful, uh, how it's meaningful as an art form, how it sort of captures the human experience the way, um, other, other art forms don't, um, but I, I, um, you know, I, I enjoy movies, movie, I, I read books, I watch television, I, I go to the theater occasionally. So I see live performances. Mm. 
uh, listen to a lot of music. So a lot of different art forms that I take in, but movies hold us, uh, seem to hold a special place. And, and, and I think, uh, well, I think they do. There's only, I only podcast about movies. Yeah. I don't podcast about music or television or theater or any of those other art forms. So, but I still haven't, I don't know why I, I can't put it into my personal words, what they mean um, to me. But but things like this and listening, yeah, listening to the hosts and other people talk, I think helps helps me along that path to to reach the place where um, hopefully someday I can explain <laughs> why movies, yeah, why why movies hold the place well, that they do. Someday explain succinctly. I think you explain it very well. You just take many episodes, long <laughs> speeches. Yeah, you explain it. Trying to boil it down to something you can like tell someone in one conversation is the hard part. Right. If they don't already love it. Yeah, it's hard to say to, to say, you know, what's kinda what's what's my ethos or what's my what's my motto? Well there's <laughs> there's a hundred minutes of Groundhog Day <laughs> and I've spent about probably average 35 to 40 minutes talking about each one of those minutes. Yeah. And if you, you listen to all that, you may get it. So it's, <laughs> it's not quite an elevator speech. And if yet. not, here's the other show I did about another movie. <laughs> and it, yeah. And if, if not, I talked about spinal tap for 83 minutes and you can talk about that or listen to those. And those probably average closer to 50 minutes. Wow. We talked a lot about that movie. Yeah, so the, the only other thing that I had prepared, um, or the question I had, and, and bringing it back, back back to Dave Made a Maze, and back specifically to Minute 77, is as the Minotaur walks away from us, yeah. flashes that sign. Yeah. That sort of, uh, the, the, the hand signal, and it's not, it's not the horns. No. He's not, he's not doing the two-finger D.O., horns heavy metal sign it's the thumbs out yep. so it's the i love you so the minotaur loves us mm -hmm. um and remember we again we're 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 all over the place we're, we're flipping back and forth but again going back to those opening credits you know i guess dave is the minotaur i mean the first time we see the minotaur is during the animated opening section when dave is um i forget what it was it's like a wall the, sconce it's a wall sconce crooked. but like, but you know, it suddenly would, when Dave's staying in front of it, it kind of forms horns on either side of his head and it quickly, the animation quickly flashes. Um, Dave's head turns into this minotaur head. So, you know, the minotaur slash Dave slash Dave minotaur. Speaking of which loves us. Something yeah. I only noticed last week while finding screen caps for posting, like not even when I was watching the movie, watching the minutes. When Dave cuts down the chrysalis with his sword, mm -hmm. in the slow motion shot, one of the little tiny minotaur heads flies across the screen. <laughs> and in a single shot, it is directly in front of Dave's head. Yeah. And so yeah. Oh, wow. I posted about it on Instagram because I'm like, on the one hand, I imagine it's practical because the scene, they barely used any CGI in this movie. But I'm like, it's so well placed. <laughs> And I got the impression from uh, Bill Watterson's response on, on Instagram that it's 
was deliberate. It's a CGI thing where they put one of those heads there because at that last minute, he is essentially beheading part of himself. And so we get that one more flash of the Minotaur in front of Dave, hmm. just like we got way at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's it's right about it's at one ten and four seconds in the movie. It is it it hmm. it looks practical, but it's almost too good right. to say the camera's in just the right spot. It's a little the, too clear. The head goes just right in front where it's like right on his shoulders. It's exactly placed in front of his face. Exactly. But yeah, just to emphasize, if you haven't gotten the connection that this is. Um, it's not Dave. The Minotaur is not Dave. Dave is not the Minotaur. Yeah. But it is some part of him, some aspect of his his personality or his being is represented. And I think we, we all have parts of us we'd like to to whack off. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound... <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> I mean, we have, you know, bad habits or yeah. bad experiences, bad memories... Just uh, things about ourselves, things we want to improve, um, you know, if, if not necessarily, you know, not necessarily metaphorically kill the way uh, Dave destroys his maze. But, yeah, just things about us that we we might change if we could or we're trying to change. That's kind of the thing I take here with like the I love you sign from the Minotaur is regardless of what you take the Minotaur as like metaphor for like. Dave's mental health, mental illness, his creativity, or any negative impulse he might have. In the end, not only did he behead it, it's still alive, it's still out there, but it loves him, it loves us. It's like, yeah, he had to embrace the fact that he has all these friends and not go on his diversions, as we said with the song, but also this bad part of him still exists. He still will have those impulses to have diversions, to get distracted when Annie calls him. He'll still ignore Harry and Gordon, whatever they're doing creatively. And he'll still have part of himself that's bad or or sad. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. As long as he recognizes that Gordon and Harry and Annie and Leonard, if he's still alive, still exist. And recognizes that he has negative impulses. And that's okay. Yeah, you we as you say, we have parts we want to whack off, but we can't. Mm -hmm. You can maybe medicate the horribleness to keep it under control, but it's still there. Right. And it always will be. Well and and, and those are the you know, and those are the things that make us us. Yeah. Along with the, the good things and the things we like and the things we want to emphasize. That they're the part of what, yeah. Make us, and one thing I definitely, um, I don't get the feeling that aside from, yeah, or I guess not aside from, but taking that into consideration, the that uh, you know that that hand gesture, there's no hint that the Minotaur is like hunting down the people who destroyed his labyrinth. He's not going after Dave and Annie. I get the feeling the Minotaur is, um, you know, feels that Dave is in a better place now than. Than when they met, mm -hmm. and now the Minotaur is going on to, you know, there's some other slacker, some other loner, some other struggling artist who needs, um, you know, needs the assistance or the help of the Minotaur. Um, he's kind of walking off, kind of the way at the end of each episode of the old Incredible Hulk mm -hmm. television show, walking away with the music playing. Yeah, yeah, Bill Bixby kind of walking down the road, 
Which is interesting because in this, the way this is animated, once it turns into the animated Minotaur, we're the Minotaur. Like the horns are sticking up at the corners of the screen. And when he goes for the high five with Bryn, the hand comes from where we'd be if we're him. And so we're walking around as the Minotaur seeing these characters and the characters are happy to see him. They wave. Bryn goes for a high five. Like it's a positive. Yeah. It's a positive thing that the Minotaur is still here at this nightclub where they're all hanging out. I remember in one of the minutes, Allison Grimm had a line where she said, uh, maybe the Minotaur was the friends you made along the way. Yeah. Which is a nice little line. Also, the Minotaur is us watching this movie. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't pick up on that. But now we're watching it. Yeah, there's the the horns kind of coming in from the... The peripheral, our peripheral vision, mm -hmm. and all our friends are happy. They're waving at us. They're happy yeah. to see us. So whether they actually died or not, in this moment, they're alive and they're happy to see us. Because however much you get involved in a movie, it's still a movie. It's still a diversion. Yeah. And then you come back to your daily life changed by it, however you were changed by it. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if this is our, are we um, just thinking terms of, I know we, Dave built a, it's a maze or a labyrinth of cardboard, yeah. um, but we also probably the most common cardboard configuration that most of us encounter is the box. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where, um, where most of us will end up at the end in a box. This seems sort of a, the, this this end credit sequence kind of makes me think of that a little bit of just re being reunited with, uh, you know, at, at the end, at the very end, the ultimate end. Yeah. Being reunited with all the the friends you've made along the way. Yeah, I, did, I didn't like the final episode of Lost, but that makes me think of that. Mm -hmm. Where all those characters that experience this one event together get reunited after they're dead. Yeah. Now spoilers for Lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as as um as you said, life ends in death. The labyrinth is still a lonely place without friends. Yep. And however bad it's going to be, however it's going to end and get to that death, if you have friends along the way, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of and also makes me think of of bad dates. And not not the uh, not the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of bad dates, <laughs> but like uh, I I just I can't resist a movie reference. But, I know, <laughs> uh, just kind of like the you know going out and and everything goes wrong. Yeah, and it's so um, you know it's not it's it's usually not fun or enjoyable at the time, but it seems those are. Those are the best stories to tell. Those are the, the, the times that we enjoy the most when they're over. Um, the, the things that, that went wrong. Well, yeah. I mean, most... It's unfortunate, but yeah, most people don't want to recount the great stories, the positive stories. They'll give you a little bit of that, but... Yeah, those are no fun. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah, I mean, this certainly there were some really there's some harrowing and worrying moments. Mm -hmm. um, there's some question over who 
who made it out and who didn't from this, this labyrinth. But I think um, the folks who did make it out, they're going to be much closer and they're certainly going to have a great story to tell when they get together. And I hope it was similar for the podcast. Yeah. I don't think we lost anyone along the way. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> we did lose someone along the way. That person's fine, but for a little while I lost contact with someone and didn't know what was going to happen with the minutes they had. But I hope that, yeah, people can not, not that they're going to like talk about this podcast specifically and everything, but like that it adds something to their experience of their own. I mean, most of the people involved were movies by minute people. So they're used to looking at movies closely, but looking at one minute of a movie and trying to work outward is a very different experience. I hope. Mm -hmm. And I hope it was good. Well, I like the way it kept going. The, the mystery, the confusion, that process of um, the detective work of figuring out where they were. Yeah. Every minute we were lost again versus if you had just done it said, oh, we're going to do it with people who haven't seen the movie, but it's going to be the same people from minute one straight through. Yeah, it was so great when episodes like just a few minutes ago in the 70s, there's people who still have no idea what's going on <laughs> because all they've seen is like minute five and minute 12 or whatever. And they they still don't know. And I'm like, it's it's a weird perspective because – I know and know details and have known what people think of those details and where they're wrong and where they're right. And that mystery was still, it was like being, well, I, I do run like a Dungeons and Dragons game, you know, where people don't know what's going on, but I know everything. It's like that, but they trust you a little bit, you know, because they figure you're not giving them random minutes of like pornography or snuff films. <laughs> And so they get in and they, they – and people had ideas. And when they couldn't figure out anything about the minute, they went on tangents. Mm -hmm. And the tangents were generally pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I certainly thought so. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the diversions and the guesses and um, the times people were, were close to the mark. But I think I enjoyed – I think it was more enjoyable when they – the further off they got, yeah, the more fun it was. Talk of aliens at one point. <laughs> um, well, yeah, there's there some confusing moments, particularly towards the end, the, the last few weeks, where people weren't sure if they were still in the maze or not. Yeah. You couldn't tell from the, the context of the minute. What's great, though, is that fits the movie. Because mm -hmm. they got out of the maze in what, minute 40-something. But then they were still in the maze because it was expanding or it was faking the apartment, whatever it was doing. So it fit. Yeah. It's kind of a, a maze within a maze. Yeah. Mayception. <laughs> <laughs> any other, you didn't have any more specifics thing for 77, right? No, other than to, uh, to thank the wonderful coordinator and, and host of this whole thing, Robert. Um, this has been, it's, yeah, very enjoyable, very pleasurable to listen to and, uh, and to be a part of.
Good. And and thank you for introducing me to this movie. I had no idea. I probably would never have found this um, if not for this project. Yeah, I found it because it came up as a recommendation on Amazon Prime hmm. when I was just sitting down to write a blog about a different movie. And instead I wrote about this one because it got my attention right away. <laughs> the last bit we get, the Flemish tourists, the male Flemish tourist takes a picture of us or of the Minotaur, which transitions second 54 to Leonard and Gordon. They like hit their beer bottles together and then Leonard waves to us and then it ends. And so Sean, the listeners want to hear even more of you talking. Where can they do so? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I talk a lot. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so you can hear me. Uh, most recently with my co-host Dave Palace, we talked about the movie Groundhog Day, one minute at a time, and that's at uh, groundhogminute.com. And uh, we're also on, uh, you can follow us at Groundhog Minute on Twitter, and our Facebook group is Gobbler's Knob. Um, so some listeners hang out there and, and talk to us. Uh, previous to that, um, I had a different co-host, Heidi Bennett, and we watched the movie Spinal Tap, or this is Spinal Tap. And we talked about it one minute at a time, and that's up at a Spinal Tap Minute. And uh, and all that stuff on my, my podcasts and my guest appearances, my hosting, um, kind of my mother's site is catandshawn.org. And that's C-A-T and Sean, S-E-A-N, dot org. And that'll um, link to link to all those podcasts. And also I post links to... Um, all my guest appearances on other podcasts. So I'll have links to, uh, to this and other stuff as well. So that's, that's the place to go. Cat and Sean.org. And uh, if people want to hear more from Robert. Yeah. If listeners want to hear more of me, um, this show's almost over. My other show, Michael Myers minute is going to end in about a month. And well, at least for original Halloween, I haven't decided yet if I'm going past that. Uh, my upcoming thing would be The Room Minute, and I'm going to be doing something that isn't about movies, but about television. Uh, greetings from Wonderfalls, about the short-lived TV show Wonderfalls. Hmm. Interesting. And if you can't remember all of that, you can just go to lemmingdrops.com. Lemming like the little rodent, drops.com. Thank you for listening. And then I can probably disarm all the traps, and then we can... We can finish this maze! Who is with me? That was me, Robert Black of Michael Myers Minute, and Sean German of Groundhog Minute taking on Minute 77 of Dave Made a Maze. Sean has still only mostly escaped this maze. Next time, on Dave Made a Minute, we've got me, Robert Black of the upcoming The Room Minute, taking on Minute 78. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute.
If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, this is going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what? <laughs>